Okay, we are starting our study through Leviticus today and um, going to be going through hopefully the first six chapters is the goal. Um, but this will be a little bit different than um, our previous studies because we are um, not going to be reading every single verse. We will be taking chunks from each verse and sort of um, hitting the highlights, if you will. Hopefully, um, this will uh, encourage those listening um, to whet your, ap- whet your appetite to read through all of the verses um, and encourage all of us to give Leviticus a um, real shot um, as far as reading through the whole thing and gaining a lot because there's so much here um, that I think is easily overlooked because of the repetition that we see um, here. But I do think there are a lot of lessons in that and um, richness that we miss over, we miss out on if we don't dig through uh, this book. So I'm excited to get started on this. And um, like I said, we're going to do this a little bit differently, but I do want to take just a minute and ask for any input on the first six chapters, which we're we're just going through a little bit of this, the sixth chapter, which basically are going to be dealing with different offerings. We've got the burnt offerings, the grain offerings, um, peace offerings, and sin offerings and guilt offerings all in this first section. So that's kind of how Levitic, that is how Leviticus starts to open the book. So um, Sherry, did you have any overall takeaways from that, this section that we're looking at today? Um, um, so I, I like to, um, read stuff, something like this. Um, it, it, it keeps me from sort of my eyes glazing over. Um, if you have markers that mark like a new section. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So that, because especially in Leviticus, you have a lot of repetition. Right. And so it's like, why is he saying this again? Mm-hmm. Well, because he's saying it from a different perspective or because it's like a different offering. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 you, it, so at the very beginning, he's laying out, um, okay, this is specifically how you, um, how you offer this animal. Then the next time he talks about that particular kind of offering, he won't really get that specific with it because he's already said. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, uh, only it will only give like exceptions. Okay, this time it needs to be it can be a female, right, or whatever, and it won't go through and say every single thing that you do because he's already said that. Um, so, but look for things like um, expressions like. Um, and the Lord called Moses and spoke to him and said, right. Or, um, speak to the Israelites and say to them, Mm -hmm. that's in, that's in chapter, chapter one, uh, verse two, I believe. Um, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, and then, so that's instructions for the people. Mm -hmm. And then in the sort of, middle beginning to middle of chapter six he's got instructions for the priests so then he says give Aaron and his sons these instructions Mm -hmm. so okay now we're talking about the priests it's the same it's the same it's the same sacrifice the burnt offering the grain offering the sin offering the guilt offering the peace offering but this is from the priest's perspective right and 
delves into the priest's offerings, because they had to make offerings for themselves too, mm-hmm. but also the people's offerings from the priest's perspective. Yeah. So, um, uh, and it's, it's, it's shorter, you know, because it, it, that goes from just chapter, middle of chapter six to the end of chapter seven, only two chapters, um, or one and a half chapters, but um, a lot of that details he's already said. Yeah. So he's not going to be as specific and it's not going to take as long. So um, those are the things that I, that, that I like to look for to, to put markers down so that I'm just not like, like I said, so my eyes don't glaze over. I'm just mm-hmm. reading the same thing over and over again. I, I can't tell what, why this is here when it was, uh, when I just read that. Yeah. Um, and so then kind of look for a theme so this section, Leviticus chapter 1 through 10 is about sacrificial regulations. Um, the whole section, so it's going to begin with uh, God spoke to Moses from the tabernacle saying this. And so that's the beginning of, it, of a whole section. And then the next verse, he says, he spoke to the people saying, you know, tell the people this. After he's just, after he's just said, God is speaking to Moses from the tabernacle. And then now this is the beginning of the section. And so you have Moses, or you have God speaking from the tabernacle at the beginning of the section. And then the, the whole section goes through chapter 10, where you have the really um, negative and climactic conclusion where you have made out of Abihu. So he gives all the instructions, and then at the end of that section, there's there's this really the only narrative that's yeah pretty much in the in the book and then and then he starts a new section after that mm-hmm. and so anyway if if you look at it in that direction it it'll it for me at least it helps to I like to pigeon, pigeonhole things mm-hmm. and it helps me to it helps me to keep focus on what I'm reading so. yeah and I think mm-hmm. one of the um, things that is very helpful for me helpful to me and Elizabeth and I have you know kind of challenge one another to be reading through this book weekly and I in in bigger chunk reading I feel like that is easier to start seeing those things mm-hmm. as opposed to well I'm reading one chapter today I'm reading another you know yeah and it's just it's not, it's not it's not parsed out that way right yeah it's, that's just a yeah so I think chart. that's so helpful uh, if we get into the habit mm-hmm. of bigger reading chunks um mm-hmm. You know, like we do with books, mm-hmm. kind of naturally. So, mm-hmm. okay, all right. So, uh, Elizabeth, also, any... just one more thing. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm sorry. Um, so, I was listening to um, uh, Gary Fisher talk about this, and mm-hmm. by the way, um, sidebar, that is a really, really super good resource that you can go to. It's called LiveForIt.us. Okay, great. And it is Gary Fisher talking about books of the Bible. And it's broken up that way, so it's like you can listen to a bunch of podcasts and try to find, you know, certain things in there. But this is like laid out, like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Oh, that's great. You you punch Leviticus, and it's Gary Fisher and other people. It's not just him. Mm-hmm. Um, like they have their year-end studies where they do like a whole book, like Isaiah or yeah. Leviticus or whatever, and then um, it's people commenting on on that. So you can and they go through it. You know, verse by verse, they yeah. read through the whole thing, and so um, what he said was um, that always helps me to get a different perspective and um, kind of collect my thoughts because it's not just his thoughts on it; it's other people's thoughts. 
And um, he said, um, he, they'll read a section and he'll say, before we read the section, think about how, how this section divides up. Like, mm -hmm. how does this naturally divide up? And when, when, while we're reading it, be thinking about, okay, like, what are the different mm -hmm. points? Yeah. You know, so anyway, that's, that's really helpful to, to, to just take it and go, okay, before you read it, okay, try to figure out, okay, where, what are the different points he's trying to make in this section? Yeah, excellent. Thank you for bringing that out. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. Okay, Elizabeth, anything you want to throw in there before we, okay. Yeah, so as I was going through this, something that I just kind of, noticed throughout that I'm looking forward to talking about more in depth is like the spiritual and physical implications mm -hmm. of all the sacrifices. <clears throat> so obviously these were like physical acts that you would do and you would have faith that this like restored your relationship with God. Um, but I think one of the really cool parts is like, especially with the burnt offering, like everything is consumed. So this is a sacrifice. You're not getting anything out of it. But then you look at like the grain offering and then part of that goes to the priest. And I think um, this is just a really cool way that God designed it, that it's going to provide for the priests. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a sacrifice. Like it, it has to hurt mm -hmm. um, because like this animal is dying instead of you because you've messed up. Um, and I just think the way that it is, uh, the way these sacrifices are, described the way that they're supposed to do things really sets this apart from all the pagan religions especially mm -hmm. because you know you could just bring like whatever to all these false gods it's like yeah this is fine um but god demands the best mm -hmm. and that will bring like real restoration which mm -hmm. i thought was really cool just kind of a small observation but well and to that point it is more about the person worshiping transforming and becoming something better mm -hmm. than it is pleasing an angry God mm -hmm. you know and there's a very stark contrast there I right. think but thank you for bringing those out that's good okay so chapter one um, I'm going to just go uh, read one through nine in this uh, chapter and um, talk through some of the points there and then we'll sum up um, 10 through 17 mm -hmm. uh, instead of reading all the way through. Okay, so uh, Leviticus chapter 1 verses mm -hmm. 1 through 9. <clears throat> the Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd or from the flock. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting, and that he may be accepted before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. Then he shall kill the bull before the Lord, and Aaron's sons, the priests, shall bring the blood and throw the blood against the sides of the altar that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Then he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into pieces, and the sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire on the altar and arrange wood on the fire. And Aaron's sons, the priest, shall arrange the pieces, the head and the fat, on the wood that is on the fire on the altar. But its entrails and its legs he shall wash with water, and the priest shall burn, shall burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Okay, so... From that first section, um, things that I pulled out were um, in the 
version that I was reading from when I was making my notes, it said um, you are to pull um, to pull uh, livestock from your own flock. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think there is a point that he is making from that. Um, and it makes me think to people like David who, you know, and Abraham who would, you know, call back and say, you know, shall I serve God for nothing or mm-hmm. shall, shall, shall it not cost me anything? Mm-hmm. Um, and just that example, I think that we see later on in godly men of like you were talking about Elizabeth, that there is the expectation of sacrifice um, and it costing us something. Um, and that scene right, you know, at the very beginning here on the burnt offerings. Um, the other two things that stood out to me in these first five verses um, are male without blemish. Um, and like you were talking about before, you know, best of the best. Late in other offerings, we're going to see a female is fine. But for this burnt offering, it has to be a male without blemish. And I do think there is something to that of, you know, and this may come across sexist, and I, mm-hmm. I hope that nobody reads that into this. But, you know, when you look at slaves or servants, you know, that are valued, and it's like, well, who am I going to get the best work out of who's going to give me the most return it's going to be the male as opposed to the female it's the best of your best you know Mm -hmm. um and i do think there is something to that being required in the burnt offering that you know that faith that Mm -hmm. if i give god the best Mm -hmm. i I trust that he is going to take care of Mm -hmm. of me so um the other thing is um you know when you've got the where he describes the hand on the head um and that the priest will make atonement, you know, for your sins, and then they kill, or and then they are responsible for being the ones that kill, and the priests are the ones that throw the blood. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there is again a lesson in that, in the responsibility, and we'll see that I think more through these chapters of you bear the burden, you bear the guilt, you know, and you need to really allow that to sink deeply. Um, and again, not to get too much into caveats, but. For anybody that says, you know, the God of the New Testament requires your heart, I don't think has read through Leviticus because uh, that is so much a part of this is God trying to get through to their hearts um, that this is this is because of what you have, you know, incurred. So um, anyway, the um, one last thing, and I'm sorry, I know I said two, um, is... It was just, in, this was an interesting thing to me that, you know, they're throwing it on the altar. And where is the altar? At the entrance of the tent of meeting. Again, to me, calls forward and from the New Testament calls back to, you know, when we are to examine ourselves before we partake of the Lord's Supper. I, From what I can understand of that context, that's you make sure you are right with your brother, that you're right before the God before before God before you go in to worship Mm -hmm. and I do think that this that principle is seen here is this altar is at the entrance you take care of that first before Mm -hmm. you go into the tent of meeting Mm -hmm. um so anyway uh those are the things that that stood out to me I know there's much more but um just real quickly 10 through 13 14 through 17 
we've got still burnt offerings, but then he's just um, showing, saying, you know, here are the other options here from the flock. If you can't afford this, then here are your alternatives, the birds and so on. So, um, Sherry, what, what thoughts did you have from that first chapter? Um, a couple of things. So this kind of breaks down to the most valuable animal down to the least. Mm-hmm. So it starts out with your prize bull down to, you know, what, a couple of birds. birds. Mm-hmm. Um, a, depending on what you can afford. So this is uh, a merciful God saying, I want everybody to be able to, to do this. Like, not everybody has a prize steer. Mm-hmm. But you can probably find a couple of birds. Um, uh, and I think that he starts out with the, with the, um, and another thing that, that, um, just going off of what you said about, um, the, the, why, why the, why the male? Mm-hmm. Well, if you know anything about animal husbandry, so, a, a rancher has, one bull mm-hmm. for a lot of different cows. Right. So the bull is more valuable than the cows. Yeah. So if you're bringing your prize steer to offer it before the Lord, that's a big sacrifice. It's mm-hmm. a way bigger sacrifice than bringing one of the cows. Yeah. Because there's not that many right. bulls. Mm-hmm. You don't have that many prize bulls. And so... Um, uh, so that's that's I think why in this case it's not in every case but in this case he's talking about you know you bringing your absolute best life for life mm-hmm. and the, the 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 best steer that you have that's the best animal you have out of all the animals that you have if you're a very wealthy farmer mm-hmm. your your prize bulls those are the those are the ones that that are costly Mm -hmm. and so um that's just a a, another um uh, way that god shows i want you to bring your best Mm -hmm. and um so the life of your prize bull Mm -hmm. is more valuable than any of your other animals Mm -hmm. well it makes it makes you think of the widow bringing her two mites Right. Versus somebody who, you know, they could have given 20 cows. Right. What is that if they're not given everything that they could? Yeah. Exactly. And so, and so then he goes down through and, and, um, talks about the, the other less valuable animals. Mm -hmm. Um, although, you know, depending on your socioeconomic status, you know, that might be the best you got. Right. And so, so I think that's kind of the idea here is that, um, we're bringing our best, and um, the burnt the burnt offering is the um, representative of just life, mm-hmm. you know, life for life. Mm-hmm. Because there's going to be other offerings, uh, grain offering, the incense, the salt, the first fruits, you know, crops and that kind of thing, that aren't blood sacrifices. So mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it, we talk about how God always requires blood. But not always, because there are other things that mm-hmm. people offer. But the the blood sacrifice is 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 representative of my giving my life 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm giving the life of this animal because actually it's me that deserves to be with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, and I did think it was interesting that in some of these other places we will find here's why you do this mm-hmm. and we don't have that in in the start it, like you were saying it's the this is how this is how yeah so um okay elizabeth anything else on chapter one yeah so this isn't like directly from the text per se but god is very clear about what he expects from them and i think like you were talking about earlier this is supposed to be a big sacrifice to get at your heart and i feel like we see throughout the rest of the old testament that there's a lot of potential for this to go south if your heart is not in it Mm -hmm. so there are all these provisions for like poorer people that can't afford like a bull or a goat or anything it's like okay you can bring birds and so then later on you have people bringing improper sacrifices like oh well the old law says i can i can bring a goat so i'm good Mm -hmm. when they probably have you know a bull or two you know back at their farm Mm -hmm. so um I think that heart aspect is really key, and that's what this was trying to get at. This was the point, but when you miss the point, it all just kind of falls apart, mm-hmm. and it's no longer pleasing to God. Mm-hmm. Um, then the other thing I thought of, which is also like just only tangentially related, is this idea of you're offering it outside the tent of meeting, so you can't go before God if you're not right with God, but then... Even Jesus says, you know, you have to go, if you have a problem with your brother, you make it right with him before you bring your offering, before you go to God. So I think as we get further into Leviticus, we'll see that there's like different levels of how close you can be to God. And if you're not right with the people you live with, then how can you expect to be right with God? Yeah. And that's that's great because that does run through uh, cover to cover in scripture again, um, just like... God wanting your your complete heart, your whole devotion. Um, the same thing is it is just so interesting the amount of um, uh, attention that He puts on our relationship with one another. I think that is very, very mm-hmm. interesting because mm-hmm. it, it is easy. I think for some of us to say, "Look, as long as I'm right with God," but He does put a lot of attention on. But how are you treating the person next to you? Um, okay, so in chapter two, if we're ready for that, um, uh, Elizabeth, if you don't mind, just reading for us verses four through thirteen is our main section there. Now, when you bring an offering of a grain offering baked in an oven, it shall be unleavened cakes of fine flour mixed with oil, or unleavened wafers spread with oil. And if your offering is a grain offering made on the griddle, it shall be a fine flour unleavened mixed with oil. You shall break it into bits and pour oil on it. It is a grain offering. Now, if your offering is a grain offering made in a pan, it shall be made of fine flour with oil. When you bring bring in the grain offering, which is made of these things, to the Lord, it shall be presented to the priest, and he shall bring it to the altar. The priest shall then take up from the grain offering its memorial portion and shall offer it up in smoke on the altar as an offering by fire of a soothing aroma to the Lord. And the remainder of the grain offering belongs to Aaron and his sons, a thing most holy of the offerings to the Lord by fire. No grain offering which you bring up to the Lord shall be made with leaven, for you shall not offer up in smoke any leaven or any honey as an offering by fire to the Lord. 
As an offering of first fruits, you shall bring them to the Lord, but they shall not ascend for a soothing aroma on the altar. Okay. Sorry, I lost my spot there for a second. Okay, um, so in that section, he, and I'm going to go back to uh, one through three in just a second, but um, in that section, we're looking at the, um, basically, basically the different ways to bring a grain offering in baked form. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Sherry, as you were pointing out earlier, it's brought out that uh, about the portion that is given to the priest um, and the different requirements of no leaven uh, no uh, or honey but salt is required um, and I don't want to stretch too much in that I want to be careful about that but um, to me some obvious things are um, you know the reminder of the exit out of Egypt um, with the lack of leaven um, and then on the uh, salt being required, um, that seems to be a consistent theme of um, something that is preservative, um, and that is going to um, a reminder that that's what we ought to be. Um, is that that is my thought on that? And like I said, I try not to stretch it too far, but just things in the New Testament make me uh, consider that part of it. Um, now, quickly back to um, one through three. Um, just where it's, it is so interesting to me. He's, you know, if when you're bringing the grain offering, what is it? It's the fine flour. And I asked Seth, I said, now is that fine as in costly or is that like finely grain? You know, mm -hmm. and he said, well, I, from what he could tell, there's an overlap, mm -hmm. you know, like right. that's, that's going to be the more expensive yeah. stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then what spelled out clearly costly oil again whatever the best that you have to offer god is more than deserving of it to bring it mm -hmm. um and so uh for 14 through 16 just after the section that we read um the first fruits of the grain offerings is repeating the same pattern so uh, you it's kind of to me kind of going back to that burnt offering you know it's giving of your your first fruits in the in an act of faith so um, Sherry, what thoughts do you have on chapter two? Okay, so um, I think because the burnt animal represents life, mm -hmm. the grain represents our substance. So it's like we're giving our lives and everything we have. Um, uh, uh, if incense, we know incense is representative of prayer, and that's talked about here, mm -hmm. and our first fruits, which is the best that you have, you know, the first fruit that the tree produces or whatever. Um, uh, and it's significant of, of our faith because if we, the first things that we get, um, we give to God, then we're saying we're hopeful that he's going to provide us with the rest of it. Right. Because we've given the first of it to God rather than getting it ourselves. Um, the, the, the reference to salt um, I think is interesting. Leaven, honey, and salt. So the leaven um, calls back to their exodus from Egypt. It also, so why leaven? Like, why, why that? Because leaven, leavening is the thing that introduces impurity. Mm, okay. Putrefaction. 
Mm-hmm. So if, if part of the reason they weren't supposed to leaven their bread when they took it out of Egypt was it was going to have to last for a long time. Mm-hmm. And if you start, if you put leaven in it, it starts to decay. Mm-hmm. Like if you take unleavened bread, I mean, y- you know this. If you make unleavened bread, it'll last forever. Yeah, right. I mean, it, you get those matzah crackers, mm-hmm. and they don't go bad. No, right. Um, but as soon as you put leaven in it, then it starts to go bad. Yeah. Um, and honey is the same thing. Yeah. You know, like you're not supposed even supposed to feed honey to small children. Right. It's got botulism in it. Mm-hmm. It's so that's why the honey, um, which is really sad because. <laughs> um, but um, also um, the salt is the opposite. The salt is a mm-hmm. preservative. Um, there's a reference to Numbers 18 verse 19. Um, that says, all the holy contributions that the people of Israel present to the Lord, I give to you and to your sons and daughters with you as a perpetual due. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord for you and for your offspring with you. And so this is, uh, so salt represents their continual covenant. Right. And so I think because it's a preservative, it preserves things for longer. Um, you know, you have a jar of pickles, it ain't going back because it's got a ton of salt in it. Right. And so, um, so the, it, it's, it's representative in numbers. Um, he says that it represents a covenant of salt forever before the Lord for you and your offspring. So mm-hmm. a continual, the continual covenant. And, um, and whereas the leavening, you know, like it's not going to last that long. It's going to, yeah. it's going to decay. It's going to go bad. Yeah. Um, so those are the things that that I um, those are the things that I you know, brought out from that. Okay, Elizabeth. Um, I did have to look into the the leaven and honey. My a contribution to that is that when you're baking something, they tell you to put the salt and like the yeast in different places because mm-hmm. they'll con- counteract each other. So I do think beyond being a preservative, that's like almost like a purifying force mm-hmm. of like we're getting all the unclean things out. Right. And just this idea of being holy, unblemished, go, goes past animals, but mm-hmm. to like the grain. Mm-hmm. Another thing I saw about the honey was that that's sometimes connected with like pagan um, mm-hmm. religious rituals mm-hmm. as well. So kind of clearing everything of idolatry as well was super important. Mm-hmm. Um, back to kind of one of my initial observations this is one of the sacrifices where it provides for the priests Mm -hmm. which i think is just really interesting in the way that um god has set that up because making these sacrifices and ministering between god and people was their job so how are they going to be compensated for that they're going to take portions of the sacrifices which i thought was just really interesting and just how specific it gets into just the different baking methods. Mm-hmm. You can see God's hand just in the planning of it, and like obviously God himself is saying this, but it has more intricate, more intent design than a lot of other mm-hmm. um, idolatrous practices, which are just kind of willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know, just something um, I thought was interesting, but I agreed with mm-hmm. all of y'all's points on this one. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, um, Sherry, would you mind in chapter 3 reading for us um, verses 6 through 16? If his offering for a sacrifice of peace offering to the Lord is an animal from the flock, male or female, he shall offer it without blemish. 
If he offers a lamb for his offering, then he shall offer it before the Lord, lay his hand on the head of his offering, and kill it in front of the tent of meeting. And Aaron's sons shall throw its blood against the sides of the altar. Then from the sacrifice of the peace offering, he shall offer as a food offering to the Lord its fat. He shall remove the whole fat tail cut off close to the backbone, and the fat that covers the entrails, and all the fat that is on the entrails, and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them at the loins, and the long lobe of the liver that he shall remove with the kidneys. And the priest shall burn it on the altar as a food offering. If his offering is a goat, then he shall offer it before the Lord, and lay his hand on its head, and kill it in front of the tent of meeting. And the sons of Aaron shall throw its blood against the sides of the altar. Then he shall offer from it as his offering for a food offering to the Lord, the fat covering the entrails, and all the fat that is on the entrails, and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them, at the loins, and the long lobe of the liver that he shall remove with the kidneys. And the priest shall burn them on the altar as a food offering with a pleasing aroma. All fat is the Lord's. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwelling places that you eat neither fat nor blood. Okay, thanks so much. And Elizabeth, um, if you want to start us on chapter 30, your thoughts there. Yeah, so um, with the peace offering, you, um, I thought it was interesting that it's um, male or female, mm-hmm. so not as... Um, I'm going to say severe as of a sacrifice as the burnt offering and it doesn't all get burnt up it's the fat um, that is the Lord's Um, and I wasn't entirely sure what the significance of the fat specifically was and that's something that y'all can um, I guess elaborate on but in this sacrifice they um, lay their hands on the sacrifice again so also symbolizing this um this animal is dying in your place, this burden. Um, and I'm trying to remember, I don't have my notes with me from the other one. The peace offering wasn't because you had specifically done anything wrong. This was right. more like a, I would like to bring this before God. You know, everything's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that speaks to this kind of overall theme of the heart that we've been talking about that you don't just sacrifice to God when you have to have to that's Mm -hmm. in quotes um but you would feel compelled to do so for what he's Mm -hmm. blessed you with which Mm um is kind of a shadow of what we do every week in offering to God not because God needs money not because God needs you know the fat of a of a goat but because he wants to know that we're devoted to him it's more for us than for god mm-hmm. all right sherry your thoughts okay um so like elizabeth said that this is a peace office offering it's not required um but it's interesting that sometimes i think there's an application to current mm-hmm. uh, because if even if it's something that you just want to do Mm-hmm. for God there's a specific way to do it yeah so it's not like you can just bring whatever you want mm-hmm. and say well I just wanted to offer this to God I know I don't have to um, whatever talent I have you know I just mm-hmm. want to give it to God well if, if there's if there's not a way to do that that God has said okay this is how I want you to do this then it's mm-hmm. probably not a great thing. And so um, 
people couldn't just go, well, I just want to offer this mm-hmm. and bring whatever. Well, God is saying specifically, if you want to just bring something, then this is what you bring, right. and this is how you offer it. Mm-hmm. Um, the peace office offering also was uh, a shared meal between the offerer and the priest. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's interesting that it could be male or female. Mm-hmm. Um, no birds, probably because there's not enough meat in the bird to feed everybody. Right. So just that's not even a thing um i think that the 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 prohibition against eating fat um is sort of like the abstaining from blood they weren't supposed to eat blood they weren't supposed to eat the fat because the fat belongs to god Mm -hmm. the priests weren't supposed to eat the fat either Mm -hmm. um the fat belongs to god now, there are some other indications that they ate fat that wasn't sacrificed, like just in their day. But it's not clear to me that that, there's, there's a couple of passages that say, um, you know, eat the fat of the land and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that it's talking specifically about animal fat. Or, right. or even if it's talking about fat animals, it might just be talking about a healthy fat animal, mm-hmm. not eating the specifically fat. the fat. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so the fat represents the best part. So that's God's, um, and the blood represents, you know, life, and the life is in the blood. Um, um, organ meat. So the kidneys and the liver. Organ meat was considered rich man's food. So mm-hmm. that's also God's. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, I learned this too that there's when you field dress an animal, the kidneys are encased in fat. Mm-hmm. And so they're not in the rest of the entrails. So that you've got the bowels, the stomach, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the kidneys are sort of by themselves. And so that's why he addresses that specifically. And they're encased in fat. Mm-hmm. And, and the liver was also considered very rich yeah. in fat. Mm-hmm. And so that was to be offered as well. They weren't supposed to eat that part. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and then there's a mention about the, the fat, the tail on the sheep, like the fat tail. Apparently there's like some kind of sheep that has a concentrated amount of fat in its tail. Huh. And that's why it specifically says like, you're supposed to cut off the tail at the bottom of the backbone, not just like just the tail part, but like, mm-hmm you know, the tailbone, everything that goes up, because that's apparently where the fat was. Yeah. Um, that's interesting to me. Um, also, um, I thought of um, them not being able to eat the fat. Um, it reminded me of First Samuel 2, um, verses 12 through 17, mm-hmm. where Eli's sons were, um, were, it says they were worthless men. And um, so... It's interesting because if you know this right. from Leviticus, then you understand what they're talking about here because it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense um, what, like what he's talking about here. But what, what he's saying in that, in that he, he says, Before the fat was burned, the priest's servant would come out and say to the man who was sacrificing, Give meat for the priest to roast, for he will not accept boiled meat from you, only but raw. And the man says, if the man says to him, Let them burn the fat first. And then take as much as you wish. 
he would say, no, you must give it now, and if not, I will take it by force. So what he was saying was, no, we're going to eat the fat. Yeah, right. And and the, the, the offerer, the worshiper, would say, no, you, okay, fine, you can have however much of it you want, but burn the fat first because that's what you're supposed to do. Right. And they were not doing that. They were taking it, and they were just like, no, we're, we're taking the... We're taking it raw because when we cook it, the fat cooks off, and yes. we're not going to do that. Right. Um, so that's just interesting to me. Um, that uh, that sort of made more sense to me after I after mm -hmm. I read this section that that's what they were doing. I thought at first I thought, okay, well, is it that it's raw? Mm -hmm. right. No, it's that the fat hasn't been burned off yet, mm -hmm. um, and all fat belongs to God. So. Um, and if the, if the, and so why why would the worshiper care? Because your offering is not accepted if right. it isn't done properly. Right. Yeah. So basically, they were making the offerer's offering invalid yeah. by doing that. Yeah. And you're skipping ahead. Yeah. For the first part. <laughs> but, um, so anyway. Yeah. yeah but no, and and I think and I don't know if this is. Um, correct but in all that the fat talk it does make me uh bring to mind um like you were saying when you when you read descriptions um of times of peace and the fat in the land and, mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff it, it does make me think and especially with the, the lack of uh bird offering or you know the the lesser or, or even you know later we'll see even a grain offering is accepted if that's all you've got but it's not for here and i do think it is because when, this is for the people who have been blessed by God and are, in quotes, fat and happy, mm -hmm. and they are offering out of their abundance as a you know thanksgiving. Um, so, um, so I do think there is something to that, and it, and, and it also just as a, a kind of a personal note, it it causes me to think of the people that I have known, the Christians I've known, who not just say, but genuinely live out the idea of, you know, they're, they're very wealthy or they've got, you know, a, a lot of substance who will say, um, well, it's really not mine. I mean, it all belongs to God anyway. And they live their life that way, mm -hmm. you know, and, and a, a genuineness of mm -hmm. looking for ways to, um, to offer back, uh, in a way that's pleasing to God. Um, and I do, I, you just hit on another really good thing that I don't want to skip over. I'll be right back. Sure. Is just that, that this idea of um, peace offering, I mean, of um, when you're wanting to do something for God and you get it in your mind that I want to use my talents for God, um, but then very easily that is twisted and perverted into um, really being about you and what you want to do anyway. Um, and I do think this is a way of combating that. Um, and I think we've got to be super careful about what we feel God has called us to and this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, so uh, Elizabeth, I, well, I'm up, I think. So I'm going to, uh, in chapter four, there's a lot, and we might have to stop at chapter four because we're getting super close, but we'll see how much, if we can squeeze the rest in. So we're going to go through the laws for sin offering here. And I think um, I've got a couple of sections here. So I am going to read um, 
versus source of the blood. Let's see. Versus. No, I need to start with one. Sorry. Okay, so I'm going to read 1 through 12 to give us an idea of what's going on here. Okay, so Leviticus 3, 1 through 12. If his offering is, sorry, I said 4, excuse me. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Sherry, just to let us know that's a marker. Mm -hmm. Speak to the people of Israel saying, mm -hmm. if anyone sins unintentionally in any of the Lord's commands about things not to be done and does not and does any one of them, it is the anointed priest who sins, thus bringing guilt on the people. Then he shall offer for the sin, sin that he has committed a bull from the herd without blemish to the Lord for a sin offering. He shall bring the bull to the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord and lay his hand on the head of the bull and kill the bull before the Lord. And the anointed priest shall take some of the blood of the bull and bring it into the tent of meeting. And the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle part of the blood seven times before the Lord in front of the veil of the sanctuary. And the priest shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar of fragrant incense before the Lord that is in the tent of meeting. And all the rest of the blood of the bull shall he shall pour out at the base of the burnt, oh, excuse me, of the altar of burnt offering that is in the entrance of the tent of meeting. And all the fat of the bull of the sin offering, he shall remove from it the fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them at the loins and the long lobe of the liver that he shall remove with the kidneys, just as these are taken from the ox of the sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall burn them on the altar of burnt offering, but the skin of the bull and all its flesh with its head, its legs, its entrails, and its dung, all the rest of the bull, he shall carry outside the camp to a clean place to the ash heap and shall burn it up on a firewood on the ash heap. He shall burn, it shall be burned up. Okay, so um, we're going to have to fly through these next two, these next two sections for, so for, um, this first section in um, chapter 4, um, Sherry, would you like to walk us through that, just 1 through 12 there? Um, okay, so the sin offering um, that you talked about with was if the high priest sins. Um, obviously, if the high priest sins, then it's a big deal because it affects everyone else. Um, and so that has to be one of those prize bulls. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so, um, it's interesting that he doesn't just throw the blood against the altar like he does some of the other sacrifices. It says that he sprinkles some of the blood right outside the most holy place at mm -hmm. the veil and on the altar of incense, which, why? Well, it's, it's right there. It's right on the outside. Um, and then the rest is similar to the peace offering. Um, although the rest of the animal, the unclean parts, the skin, the head, and all that stuff, they have to take outside the camp. Um, uh, and the other interesting thing about it, it, it that makes it different than the peace offering is that um, uh, the priest doesn't eat any of it. Mm -hmm. Well, why doesn't he eat any of it? Because it's his offering. Like, what, it's, what? Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, so the whole thing is... Is burned up, mm -hmm. um, uh, and um, then it goes on the rest of the chapter to talk about the, if the whole congregation sins, 
if the leaders sin, if the common people sin. So it kind of goes down from the high priest mm -hmm. to the, you know, the, the whole congregation and the leaders and then the common people. Um, and so again, you know, we're seeing this kind of going down the, going down the list um, uh, from the high priest clear down to the, to the poor uh, mm -hmm. people. So anyway. Yeah, uh, just a side note on that that uh, stands out to me as the the weight of that is on the leadership um, and what God how God views this um, and again as you made the reference you know the people watching that would see um, you know misbehavior so to speak um, that is an an incredible uh, ordeal because you are my sort of lifeline mm -hmm. <laughs> between right. me and God. Um, mm -hmm. And what a, um, I don't know, what a, uh, a comforting thought, you know, that as we come to the New Testament and Christ has become that priest, that that there's there's no not going to be any uh, difficulty of somebody messing up on my behalf. Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. pretty amazing. Okay, and I don't want to, mess us up on time too much so do you have anything else on four no four really. jumping in five okay we're gonna um and i'm sorry to rush us but i do want to try to wrap this section up mm -hmm. so um in uh when we get into five we are still going through um sin offering um and let's see um Okay, uh, and I think, Sherry, you kind of wrapped that up. So mm -hmm. I'm going to say, like, ver through verse 13, mm -hmm. um, we've kind of already summarized mm -hmm. and covered up. So I'm going to look down, um, starting in verse 14, is where we pick up with guilt offerings. And this is going to be the last section we cover here. Um, and um, I'm just going to read um, 17 through 19 real quick. Um, of, of chapter, of chapter five. five. Uh huh. Okay. If anyone sins by doing any of the things that by the Lord's command ought not to be done, though he did not know it, then he realizes his guilt. He shall bear his iniquity. He shall bring to the priest a ram without blemish out of the flock, out of the flock, or its equivalent, for a guilt offering. And the priest shall make atonement for him for the mistake that he made unintentionally and he shall be forgiven. It is a guilt offering and he he has indeed incurred guilt before the Lord. Um, and just very quickly um, from, you know, it, it continues on through chapter six, um, the same kind of sentiment um, is repeated of once you understand that you have had a breach of faith, you are then you know, you, you have the guilt and you, you are, um, um, what is the word that he uses here that I was, uh, oh, yeah, you bear your, his iniquity. Um, and, and I do think there is that consistent, you know, it's, I it's the C.S. Lewis quote, and I don't know if he even said it, but, um, that, you know, it's not the things that I don't know that give me the most trouble, it's the things I do um, and we've got to, as much as we can, make sure that we are living a clean conscience before God. Um, and I think this is brought out in the guilt offerings is as soon as you realize, oh, wait, I was ignorant of this, but it's still, I was still in violation of the law. I've got to make amends for that. So any other thoughts? Um, just real quick, 
So you have um, burnt offerings, um, which signify that these these are sins for which a person deserves death. Okay, um, but the animal takes its place. The sin offering um, gives us the idea that sin makes things dirty, and so there's a lot of purification things that we talk about. And the guilt offering is that the guilt offering is for a debt because there, this is the first one time where he mentions making restitution. So that represents sin is a debt and it needs to be repaid. Um, uh, usually the guilt offering involves some kind of sin against another person. It might be against God as well, it, uh, but, but, it, but it ha there's, there's a restitution that has to happen. And um, uh, the restitution has to happen before the, before the offering. So, in other words, if you don't pay it back, then what's the point? Right. You, know, you don't go to God and ask for forgiveness for something and then not pay it back. Yeah. Um, and um, we just see that all over the New Testament. Um, uh, uh, and, 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 and we even see references talking about um, um, doing things in ignorance and how there's no sacrifice for willful sin. Yeah. And so these are all talking about sins that were done in ignorance. Yeah. And so what about sins that were not done in ignorance? I don't know. It doesn't say. Yeah. It's like there's no sacrifice for, for yeah. willful sins. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Paul even said that he what he had done was in ignorance. Yeah. He was going around killing people, but he said he had done it in ignorance, and that's why he received mercy for it. Yeah. Um, so, um, uh, uh, there was there was some talk when I was listening to this recording about, like, so what about if you don't know it and you never know it and you never find out? Is that mm -hmm. like, um, and then so I thought uh, when I heard that I thought of like Job, um, who offered, who made offerings just in case. Yeah. Because right. yeah. Just in case, I don't know if they did or not, but just in case, right. I want to make offerings for that. Mm -hmm. And um, so there's that sentiment as well. And um, uh, like Zacchaeus, for instance, he repaid like four times as much, which is more than you have to pay back. But mm -hmm. he was just like, just making sure that yeah. I pay as much of it back as I can possibly pick yeah. up to pay. Right. All right, Elizabeth, final thoughts? I really liked what you said about um, people making offerings just like just because in case they miss something because that mm -hmm. makes me think of how a lot of people when we pray there's not always specific sins that we know of mm -hmm. it's like forgive us of our sins and you don't name anything specifically kind of like that mm -hmm. blanket prayer and I don't know I this always just kind of something you say mm -hmm. but I guess there is basis for that mm -hmm. for just mm -hmm. covering it and I know we don't really have time to talk about specifically but I do like or I think it's really interesting the conditions for the guilt offering so a lot of it has to do with you cheated someone out of money and that's where restitution mm -hmm. comes in because you're not mm -hmm. dealing faithfully with your brethren which I guess mm -hmm. kind of ties back into the comment I made earlier about you have to make restitution with your brother you have to be right mm -hmm. with these people mm -hmm. before you can be right with God which I think is a really um, wise thoughtful way to organize things mm -hmm. And I think there's there is something to you know like you were saying the person that comes before God 
not only say, you know, hey, just in case, but also um, we see this example too of help me see, mm-hmm. you know, open my eyes, mm-hmm. let me, you know, I, in other words, I want to know mm-hmm. of any impurities because I want to get rid of them because I want to be right before you as mm-hmm. opposed to let me just slide by and leave me alone mm-hmm. and let me, you know, duck in and out of the back door. Mm-hmm. You know, that's very opposite of anything mm-hmm. that God calls right. us to. So, mm-hmm. um, and I, you know, it, it, I appreciate when Bill will say, um, forgive us of the things, you know, left undone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, that is that kind of thought to mm-hmm. me is, you know, not just, you know, is there anything I've done against God? Have I given him everything? Mm-hmm. You know, is there anything I've left undone? I just, mm-hmm. that that thought means so much to me um, because th- I do think there are so many ways in which if we are willing, we could grow a lot more if we're, you know, open to allowing God to do that with us. So anyway, thank you so much, ladies. I'm very impressed that we squeezed all of this mm-hmm. in. Wow. And um, next week, we look forward to going through some more chapters in Leviticus.